We're going to be bouncing around in a number of places in the Scripture, but you'll catch up with us or keep up with us one or the other. In the spring of 1924, Jack Sundin was a four-year-old kid standing in line with his father inside the White House waiting to meet President Calvin Coolidge. As they neared him, Jack noticed that he said something to each visitor as they shook hands. And soon the thrilling moment arrived and Jack pulled his small hand into the President's. Then the President said these words that Jack will always remember. Move along. Aren't you glad that when we come to God, He doesn't just tell us to move along? When we come to God, He tells us some things. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through His Spirit. He speaks to us so that we can know. We've covered the last couple of weeks. We looked at the parable of the sower. About what it is to sow the Word into the life of a believer. And the things that come against that Word. The enemies of the Word. That the Word has enemies and they're trying to neutralize it in your life. Last week we focused more on that third soil, the one that had the thorns, and how those thorns grow up in our life and what they, what they come to do. We look at the lion's den, the fiery furnace, Paul's troubles that he was delivered from. And we saw how it is possible for us to have the Word be of none effect and focus on the tares, focus on the thorns and the thistles and things of that nature. But for each one of the persons we looked at last week, Daniel, Hananiah, all those, uh, Paul, all these ones, they all knew something that helped them through their situation. And this is something that we need to get to know ourselves. We hinted at this before we were going to get into this aspect of it, but it's an important aspect for us to know. Each of these ones we looked at last week all knew what the will of God was. When Hananiah and Azariah were before the king, they said to him, Our God will deliver us from your fiery furnace. Did they know what the will of God was in the situation? Did Daniel know what the will of God was in the situation? He didn't even go out there and try and stop the uh, edict from being signed. He knew what the will of God was in the situation. Did Paul know what the will of God was in his situations? We need to know what the will of God is in whatever situation that we're in. If we know the will of God... We'll be fine. Put this in your outline. Many people pray without knowing what the will of God is. They just pray. They're hoping that praying will do some good. Praying only does good if you know what the will of God is. Now, there are times that you do not know what the will of God is and you may pray to discover it. But too many times people don't know what the will of God is and just pray. And we've got to make sure that we pray and know what the will of God is. We call this first part the unknown. Because these people, they, uh, they don't search the Word to find out what the will of God is. They assume from what they have heard what the will of God is. Or they have formed beliefs based on past experience or what others have shared. Now, I'm hoping that you're not in this category now. But it may be if you look in your past that you may say, there were times I didn't search out the Word of God to find out what His will was in a situation before I prayed. There were times I assumed from what I had heard people say was the will of God. There are times that I have formed beliefs based on past experience. How many times have we had failures? How many times have we had things that just didn't quite work for us that way? And we just say, well, I guess it's the will of God that I have this. I guess it's the will of God that I go through this. I guess it's the will of God that I just suffer. And we come to that conclusion, not based on the Word of God, not based on anything like that, but just based on past failures or past experience. 
there are two paths of action that come from not knowing what the will of God is. The first is, we don't know God's will and beg. That's the first thing. If you don't know the will of God, what do you end up doing? You beg. Now, think of it when you were kids. When you were little kids and you did not know what the will was of your parents on a particular matter. What did you do? You came in and did what? Oh, mom, dad, please, 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 can we have, oh, please, please. Right? We, we, we commenced the begging because I'm not quite sure what the will of God is in the thing. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be in that part of their just begging. In John chapter 4, verse 46, so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. What's another word for implore? Beg. Beg. <laughs> please, Jesus. Please, 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 please. Will you come down? Please, will you come down? Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You see, there is no faith in begging. There's no faith in it. Faith does not get Jesus' attention. Jesus generally rebukes unbelief. And when people come and they beg, they don't know what the will of God is. They haven't spent time to search out the will of God. We're just hoping that maybe somehow we can convince them to come over here and do this. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man, what? believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Now, we've covered this story before and looked at all the details of, of these things, but he came to him begging and Jesus wasn't too thrilled with that. And then finally, Jesus just gave him a word to act on. He acted on it and he, he decided to go the way of faith. He left the way of begging and went the way of faith. He could have continued the way of begging, couldn't he? Couldn't he have said, oh, oh I believe that, but please, Jesus, please come down. Please, will you, will you just come with me? I believe what you said is right, that, you know, he's fine. But would you please, please come with me? Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Well, he found out what the will of God was on this thing. The will of God was, I'm not going with you. Your son lives. Head on back home. That's not exactly what I wanted, is it? He came there prepared to bring Jesus back with him. That's what he wanted. Jesus had gone back with some people, but he didn't go back with everyone. Verse 51, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the seventh hour which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of the Judea, into Galilee. Well, he had to leave, and on that way back, we told, told you before, this is about a day's journey. It takes him about a day to get back home. It took him about a day to get here. That's a lot of thinking you can do along the way, isn't it? And I'm sure that he was given the temptation to go on back and think, you know what, you need to go back and get Jesus. This is just too much. You know, there's, you're not going to have time to get all the way home and get all the way back again and get Jesus. You need to just go get Jesus. But he believed his word. 
He hung on to his word and he kept on going. But he didn't stay in that place of begging. But look at Jesus' response to the beggar. You all are just looking for a sign. Doesn't sound like Jesus liked that a whole lot. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon and he entered a house and went wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. What's she doing? Begging. If you keep asking somebody a thing, what do you do? What, have, what do you call it when your kids keep saying, Oh, Mom, Mom, can we please go to McDonald's? Can we please go to McDonald's? Please, please, no. Can we please just this once? Can we please go to McDonald's? No. Oh, but Mom, we're hungry. Can we please? What are they doing? Begging. But they keep asking, aren't they? They're not taking no for an answer. They just keep asking. And you all like that, don't you? No, generally we don't respond too well to that. We don't like that way of going about it a whole lot. And Jesus said to her, He doesn't have a real nice answer for her either. Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, up till now, He hadn't even responded to her. She's over there begging and begging and begging. He's not even giving her the time of day. He's just going on doing His own stuff. And then finally, He says something to her and He calls her a dog. <laughs> and she answered and said to Him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Why did the demon go out of the daughter? Because of the saying, not the begging. Look at Jesus said, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. The demon didn't go out because she was begging. In fact, begging didn't really get Jesus' attention. He just called her, you know, get out of here. I'm here for different group of people than, than you are. They call you a dog. Most of us get offended at that. Take exception being called a dog. And go off in a huff. She didn't. She said, all right, so I'm a dog. But even dogs get to eat at the kids' tables. Come on, just give me a crumb. <laughs> for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. It's for the saying. It's not for the begging. When she got to a point... And she could respond in faith. And she chose to respond in faith. She could have chose to keep on begging. She didn't have to say what she said, did she? She could have said, oh, but please, Jesus. Please. But she didn't do that. She said, this instead. And Jesus said, for this saying, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found that the demon had gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Well, begging won't help us out. Begging does not help us with God. But this is what we tend to do because if I haven't gotten it yet, what do I tend to do in prayer? I go ask again. I didn't get it yesterday, so I'll ask again today. Maybe one of these times I'll hit it right. That's not faith. I don't know. I'm not sure what the will of God is in the thing. Now, there's a second kind of action. I call this one confused. The second is we believe what isn't His will. If I don't know His will, I can be ignorant of His will and just not know it. Don't search it out and just beg and plead and hope I can convince them. Or we can go in the way of, well, I'll believe something. I don't know if it's the Word of God or not, but I heard so-and-so, they said this. 
I guess I'll just believe that. We believe what isn't His will. I don't know if it's His will or not. I haven't spent the time to look at it in the Word to see what the Word of God says. I haven't fastened my faith upon anything in the Word of God. Well, his brother, sister, so-and-so said this. I guess I'll, I'll just hang on that. In uh, Genesis 3, you all know this story real well. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Has God indeed said? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What's he trying to do? Confuse the will of God. Does Eve know what the will of God is in this situation? Yeah. Don't eat in the tree of the garden. That's in the midst of the garden. Don't eat in that tree. All the other trees eat. Not this one. Don't eat from that tree. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now we know this, you shall not touch it part was added by somebody. Either Adam added it when he told it to her, or she added it just to, maybe she just put that extra point in there just to make sure, I'm not, I'm not going to eat it, so I'm not even going to touch it. However, it was it got added in, that's not what God said. He apparently didn't say anything about touching it, he just said, Don't eat it. Then the servant said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. He's confusing the will of God that is known. And Satan will do this. What he'll do is he'll come along, and he'll take the will of God that you already know about, and he'll try and bring other people's experience, your experience, other people's failure, your failure, or begin to challenge, well, does God really have your best interest in mind here? And try and get you to think on these things. And he did that with Eve. Did it work? Yeah, she got off doing what the will of God was and she decided to do something different. It didn't work out all that well for her, did it? Or Adam. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and be killed. And after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When we begin to get off from the will of God, Jesus here tells Peter, You are not mindful of, of the things of God, but the things of men. Being mindful of the things of men does not tune you into the will of God, nor will it put you in a place of faith. Peter was rebuked. He became mindful of the things of men. We don't want Jesus to go anywhere. We don't want Jesus to die. Jesus is doing good things. This is not the, the will of God here. Peter didn't seek after God's will in the situation. It was revealed to him that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. But when Jesus began to then teach them, about, all right, this is why I'm here. I'm going to go die. And so, well, no, he doesn't seek God's will on that. He just assumes. Or he lets his mind begin to focus on other things. Jesus puts it, you're focused on the things of men, not the things of God. And so he's got a confused outlook on the will of God. Second Kings chapter 5. Then Naaman went in with his horse, horses and chariot, this is uh, after Naaman, the beginning part of the story here, if you want to go back and read it. Naaman has leprosy. and So there's, there's a servant girl who was an Israelite who was a servant to the king of Syria. And she said, you know, there's a prophet over in Israel and he'll take care of that cancer for you or the cancer, the leprosy for you. Why don't you head over to him? And so they do. Naaman went out with his horses and chariot. 
And he stood at the door of Elisha's house, verse 10, and Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and, your, and you shall be clean. Now, this is a servant of the king of Syria and the prophet. Now, if you're Naaman, you're in a heathen country, you serve a heathen king, you don't really know a whole lot about this God, you hear about a prophet that serves this God, and the prophet doesn't even come out and talk to you. He sends a servant. He sends his servant to tell you. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Is Elisha giving the will of God to Naaman in this situation? But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. I mean, we've never gotten in our mind how God would do something before, have we? <laughs> it's never come to us that way. We've never thought, well, if I pray, God will do this and then this will happen and, and it will be all done. And it doesn't happen that way and we get mad, upset. That's what he did. Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand. He will surely come out. Not a messenger. He will surely come out to me and stand. And call the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Now, we've had that sometimes. You know, God will tell us uh, we're, we're believing God for a healing or a miracle in some kind of a way. And God has directed us and we have built some faith on it to go out to this meeting where brother or sister so-and-so was ministering. And we get on out there and we have said to ourselves, well, I know brother or sister so-and-so will lay their hands on me and then I'll receive my healing. And brother or sister so-and-so doesn't come over to us. It's one of their servants. One of their people that's up on stage that's going around and helping lay hands on people. And they came on over and laid hands on us instead of the person we came to see. And we had them lay hands on us. What happens to us on the inside? Well, I thought they would come out here and do this themselves. I didn't come all this way. I drove a long time. It took me a long time to get over here. Had to pay for the hotel room to stay overnight. Had to pay for the gas to get down here. And now I've got to drive all the way back. And they don't even have the decency to lay hands on me themselves. <laughs> we can do the same thing, can't we? We can go the same way. We get in our minds, this is how it's going to happen. All right, God, I'm praying and asking for this to go on, but I kind of have an idea. I have this financial need and I just kind of have this idea that I'm going to go to the mailbox and bang, there's going to be a check there and that check's going to be all that I need to take care of it. We go out to the mailbox, look in there, and there's no mail. Nothing. Then we get upset. Well, maybe the mailman hasn't come yet. We ask our neighbor, did you, did you get mail today? Yeah, I got mail. So he already came? Sure, yeah, he came about an hour ago. We get ourselves all messed up because we have thought in our heads, we have put it together, this is how God will do it. And it didn't happen that way. And we're upset. And we're mad, just like Naaman is. Verse 12, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? In other words, man, this is one muddy old river out here. be like if Jesus was ministering in the area of Philadelphia. And he said, go wash in the Schuylkill and be clean. And we get out to the Schuylkill and it looks kind of green. And 
And we begin to think of back home, wherever we came from, wasn't Philadelphia. We think of the rivers that are there. They're much cleaner. They're much more inviting. This does not look that inviting. Go in there and wash and be clean. The Schuylkill, really? I mean, look at that. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean? Now, if you go away from this situation in a rage, how many of you think that you are in a place to receive from God? <laughs> Probably not. You're not in faith. You're mad. You're mad at God. You're mad at the situation. You're mad at all kinds of stuff. You're not in a place of openness to, to receive. You're not in a place of faith to believe. So a servant came near and spoke some wisdom to him. Fortunately, Naaman was willing to listen to it. I mean, come on. This makes sense, doesn't it? Wash and be clean. Just look at the basics of this thing. Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. What if he said, well, all right, I'll go and do it, but I'm only washing three times. <laughs> Is that going to work? God said, how many? When he told Israel to march around the city for seven days and they said well if i think three days is enough won't work will it you gotta do what god said see so sitting there questioning well why did god say it has to be done this way you don't worry about that you're not god just do it remember what uh his mom said to the group in cana when she came out to him whatever he says do it that's just wisdom we ought to just listen to that whatever he says do it whatever he says do it. That's it. You don't sit there and you question it. You just do it. Whatever he says. What if it doesn't make sense? What if I don't like it? What if I'm tired? <laughs> just do it. Whatever he says, do it. You put that little Nike phrase out there. Just do it. Stop finding excuses. Just get out there. And do it. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of, saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored. Now, I don't know about you, but I always like to kind of get a picture of what's happening here. I don't really picture Naaman going down there and washing thoroughly seven times. I get the picture of just what the Word of God says there. He dipped himself. He got on in there and, well, I got in, that's one time. <laughs> and got on in there again and dipped, got all the way wet and came on out. That's two times. <laughs> that's just a picture I get of it. I'm not telling you that's exactly what happened. But the Word of God does say that he went down and dipped himself. And dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. He changed his attitude, didn't he? But, you know, he had to change his attitude earlier than this. He had to change his attitude, and the servant came to him and said, You know, if he said something hard to you, wouldn't you have done it? But he said something easy, wash and be clean. Go on there and wash it. And fortunately for Naaman, he said, yeah, you know what? I, I should do it. I've been suffering with this leprosy for a long time. It's causing all kinds of trouble. All right. Tried all this stuff. We may as well. We're here. 
We may as well do what he said. But we, we can sometimes be too much like Naaman. I haven't searched out what the Word of God says for me on this thing. I haven't fixed my faith on anything in particular. I'm just, well, I'm just God needs to do it. God needs to do something. I don't know what He needs to do. He needs to do something. Something's got to get taken care of because it just can't go on the way that it is. It's got to be changed and He's just got to do something. That's not right. You've got to get into the Word of God and say, Father God, you show me in your Word what it is that you will do. What it is that can be done in this situation. That I can fix my faith on it. That I can say, I have Scripture on this. This is what the Word of God teaches me. This is what the Word of God said. If you have a financial need, then you need to get into the Word of God and find out what is it I'm standing on in the Word of God about financial needs. Not just now, well, I know my God is my provider. Glory to God. I guess that's... No, get in there and study it out. What's He saying to you? What's He saying about how... Because you go through the Word of God, there's all kinds of ways that He took care of financial needs. For Peter, he said, go catch a fish. Go catch a fish. Inside the fish in the mouth, you'll find money to pay your taxes and my taxes. Another woman, he said, feed the servant of God and I'll take care of you all the rest of the days of this famine. Another one, husband died. He was one of the prophets. And she had all these debts and things to pay. And so the man of God said to her, go out there and get all the pots you can. Get everything that you can, put inside the house, close the door. Don't let anybody in. And then start pouring the little bit of oil you have into all those vessels. And don't stop until the oil runs out. So she did it. She didn't sit there and say, well, why would I do that? That makes no sense. But she had the Word of God on it. It came from the man of God. And so she went on out there, closed the door, did what she could. She got every pot that she could. She didn't get halfway. She said she got them all. And she filled that whole place up. And she said, bring another pot. We don't have any more. The oil stopped. So she went out and sold all that. Had enough money to take care of all her debts. She was in good shape. Every, he's done it all kinds of different ways for people. How's he going to do it for you? Get into the Word of God and find out. Study the thing out. Too, too, too many times folks were lazy. We just want to sit on back and just, well, I just, I don't know. I think I'll just believe that it happened this way. Well, I just don't know if that's really the will of God here, if really God will do anything about it. No, get into the Word of God and find out. That's how we need to do it. Let's get into the known area. Are there people in the Word of God who knew the will of God and approached that way? Yeah, there sure are. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, know what you're doing. Know what you're doing. Have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies. They weren't bold to enter the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament. But we can be. And he tells us why. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. without wavering. We've got to get into the Word of God, find out what the Word of God said about our situation, what it is that we need. When the Word of God opens up to us, when God speaks to us, this is how you can go. And I hang on to it. My, you know what? I have faith for that. Yes, that'll go that way. I hang on to that part and I don't let it go. The example goes like a bulldog with a bone. They are made to hang on to that sucker. 
You know, our little Tucker, he tries to be a bulldog. He's not very good at it, but he tries. He puts everything into it. I think he thinks he's a bulldog. Because he'll get a hold of that thing. We're playing tug of war. And he's, he's got everything into it. He's got his butt up in the air and his legs down real low in the front. His head's all the way down to the floor. And he's pulling on that thing. And if it's not working that way, then he gets into another position. He moves over here and he grabs hold of that thing and he just... Now, he doesn't have the gripping power of a bulldog. I have uh, watched several times as a bug has crawled across the floor... Tucker got sight of it, went over there and chewed on it, and the bug walked away. <laughs> That's not a whole lot of gripping power right there. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is in the matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, why should we do those things? Why should we consider one another? Why should we stir up each other for love and good works? Why should we do that? Because he said so. Why should we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Because he said so. How about exhorting one another? Why should we do that? Because he said so. But we need to have boldness. We need to have that full assurance of faith. But see, too many times, folks, we're coming to prayer and we're not having that full assurance of faith. We're hoping. We're trying to hit the right combination. If I hit the right combination, maybe... If I just, you know, maybe if I pray in the morning, afternoon, and night, then maybe it will happen. In Matthew chapter 9, the woman with the issue of blood, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Did she fix her faith on something? But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. What made her well? Her faith has made her well. What did she do? She heard the word about Jesus. She fixed herself on one aspect of it. She heard a lot of things about Jesus. But she fixed herself on one thing. Touching the hem of his garment. Other people had touched his garment. Jesus had touched others. Jesus had laid hands on some. But she didn't fix herself on that. She fixed herself on, if I touch his garment, I know I shall be made well. She could have fixed herself on any number of things. She Couldn't she have? But this is the one that she pulled out. This is the one that grabbed her. It may have been because she was an unclean person. She thought Jesus wouldn't give her the time of day. Jesus wouldn't, they wouldn't be, let her in the meeting. That Jesus wouldn't touch her, wouldn't lay hands on her. So this is the way I won't actually touch Jesus. I'll just touch the hem of his garment. That's all. But if I do that, I know that'll be enough. I'll be healed. She latched her faith onto something. She's not going to let it go. And she kept fixating on that. I'm sure we talked about this story before. Other people probably came up to her and said, you've been going from one thing to another. You chased after this doctor, after this doctor, after this doctor. You spent all your money that you had and you're no better. Why in the world are you going to keep putting your hope into something else? No, I know, I know this one. I got faith in this one. I know it if I just touch the hem of his garment. Because you know the Word of God tells us that she kept saying to herself, she kept saying, she kept saying it out loud. She kept speaking it to herself. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to him, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be due to you. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? 
They didn't come begging. No, we know you're able to do this. All right, he says. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be done to you. Luke chapter 17. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. This is the ten lepers. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. They were not cleansed when they went. As they went. So they could have sat there and said, But Jesus, we've got to be clean in order for that to happen. It's still all over us. They didn't do that. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. What if they have thought, well, he needs to lay hands on us? Well, he needs to have us tell us to wash in the Jordan seven times like Naaman did. And when we do that and and, and do what he said, then this will happen. They may have come with any of those kind of things. But he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. So what was it that they were to do? Go show themselves to the priest. That's what they were to do. They fixed on, go show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. So they're just walking on down. They still got leprosy. They're walking on down, walking on down, walking on down. All of a sudden, one realized, wait. It's gone. And then the other one, oh, let, me, let me check. Oh, mine's gone too. And then a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth. And they all, all of them said, it's, it's all gone. And so nine of them kept on going to the priest to show themselves. Because that's what Jesus said to do. But one of them said, well, I'll catch up with y'all. And when he went on back, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, we're not, were there not ten cleansed? How does Jesus know that? <laughs> only one came back. Jesus could be thinking, wow, it only... Only made one for ten. I mean, that's, in baseball terms, that's batted a hundred. That's worse than most pitchers. Batting a hundred. One out of ten, that's not good. But he doesn't think that. Jesus thinks, I batted ten out of ten. Ten of them got healed. How come only one came back? What happened to the other nine? How did they come back with you? He doesn't ever wonder if they got healed, does he? Ain't that something? I mean, some of us, if we had done the same thing, if we had the Word of God come up in us like Jesus had, and we said to him, go show yourself to the priest, and only one of them came back, oh, only one of you got healed? But not Jesus. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith is has made you well. Understand, it was still the faith of others that made them well. This man had faith and he also had gratitude. Apparently, you can have faith and not have gratitude. <laughs> but this man, he had faith and he had gratitude. Go back over to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And so Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. We've covered that part of the saying part a whole lot, haven't we? We told you this part was, was being reserved for later on. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What kind of prayer is he talking about here? 
prayer for things. He's not talking about praying for people. He's talking about prayer for things. What are things? Is money a thing? That would be a thing. Yeah. Is a car a thing? Is a house a thing? There's a whole lot of things that are things. But it needs to be a thing in order for this verse to kick in. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Whatever things you ask when you pray. Now, it's not just limited to things of substance. Things that you can hold. It says, whatever things you ask. When the people came and they said, heal us of the leprosy. Is that a thing? When the blind man says, I want to receive my sight. Is that a thing? Is he asking for a thing? To see. These are things. Whatever, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So Now, the first part of this is easy for us to do. Whatever things you ask when you pray. How many have ever prayed for a thing? We had that part down. We know how to ask for things. That's not hard. There's only one qualifier in this. There were qualifiers in the speaking part. This is the praying part. Speaking, we speak to things. But praying, we're asking God for the thing. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. So, when we ask for the thing, we need to believe that we've received it. And then we will... So the having doesn't become before the believing. The believing must come before the having. When the ten lepers came and they asked for a thing, and Jesus said, go your way, they had to believe that they received it. When the nobleman came and asked about his son who was dying, and Jesus spoke a word to him, go your way, your son lives, he had to believe that he received, he had to believe that you receive them and you will have them. So he had to believe what Jesus spoke and he did, to his credit, he did. He believed it. He kept going. For surely I say to you, whoever says in this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Don't put things in two different categories here. When you speak to a thing, is it done? Believe those things. Be removed, be cast into sin. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Whatever you say presently, you will have in the future. But you've got to believe in your heart. In the same way, in the same way, if you go to God for the thing, whether you speak to the object or whether you ask God for the thing, it's the same way. Believe that you have received them and you will have them. Believe 
that you receive them and you will have them. If you're going along, go back to the mom and dad example. You're going along in the car, ask mom, Mom, can we go to McDonald's? And this time mom says, okay, I'm kind of hungry too. Let's go over to McDonald's. And so you, you, five minutes later, you know, you're driving. Mom, I thought we were going to McDonald's. We are. We're on our way to McDonald's now. I'll wait another minute. But I thought we were going to McDonald's. In a minute, we're not going to McDonald's. <laughs> right? <laughs> McDonald's isn't just right around the corner here. We have to drive to it. And if they come back another time in another minute and a half and say, How come we're not at McDonald's? I thought you said we were going to McDonald's. You lied to me. Well, I didn't lie to you, but we're not going now. And you head home. You want people to believe if you say something that it's going to be so. So does God. If God says it, believe it. But too many times we're asking God for the thing, whether you came to God and asked Him for a thing or whether you spoke to the thing. Right now we're focusing on asking God for the thing. You come and ask God for the thing and then in the afternoon you're asking Him again. And then that evening you ask Him again. How come you ask Him again? Well, it's not done yet. I didn't get it yet. That's why I asked him again. What are you doing? You're begging. Stop begging. you got to have faith. Well, I did have faith and it didn't work. And you're basing your faith now on a past experience. You've confused the will of God. And there's nothing for your faith to latch hold of. What you have to do is go back to the Word of God. There's all sorts of ways that God healed people. There's all sorts of ways that God took care of financial situations for people. What you've got to do is fasten your faith on the how is it going to be done for me. How is God going to do it for me? What is God speaking to me? What is God saying to me to do? And when God speaks it, and it comes up and you're reading something in Scripture, oh, wait, oh, my faith catches hold of that. I can believe that one. Yeah. Oh, I see that one. And you hang on to that. And then you can either ask God, you can speak to the thing. You don't have to do both. And he's not even saying one way is better than the other. Jesus chose, when he came to the fig tree, he chose to speak to it, didn't he? He didn't ask God. He chose to speak to the fig tree. There are situations you can walk up to and you can just speak to the thing. There may be times that you've asked God for the thing. But if you ask God for it, then you need to believe it. Smith Wigglesworth one time said, If you ask God seven times... For any one thing, you've asked six times in unbelief. Well, you're asking God for a thing. You're not interceding. Paul says in Ephesians, praying with all kinds of prayer. There's many different kinds of prayer. And there's different rules that govern each type of prayer. You know, we're in the baseball season now. You don't play baseball by football rules. Just because it's a sport, you don't play all the sports by the same rules. Each sport has its own rules. And you play according to the rules. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You will have them. Mark chapter 1. And when he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Many of us Christians are in the same boat this guy was. 
We know God can do it. We just don't know if God will. Knowing that God can do something is not knowing that God will do it. A whole lot of people know that God can, but I don't think He'll do it for me. I don't know if He'll do it for me. And the devil comes right along and he tries to cloud that issue. Yeah, look how terrible you are. Look at what you've done over here. You're not worthy of all that. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out His hand and touched Him and said to Him, I am willing to be cleansed. We've gone through the Word of God and we've, we've covered there are two ways that Jesus healed. Not talking about methods, but ways. Methods are such as you know laying on the hands, spitting, um, washing, all the different things that had been done, speaking the Word, touching the garments, all this, this stuff. But there are a couple, there are two different ways. One was... And he had always, we, we already looked at those stories, and there's many more. The faith of the person. The faith of the person drew off of the gift that was in Jesus, and they were healed. That's one way. Here's the other way, compassion. And Jesus moved with compassion. Is it, does it say anything about this man's faith? Jesus moved with compassion. When the, woman had the, when the widow woman had the son who died, and Jesus climbed up and opened up the coffin... And grabbed the guy and pulled him out. It said that he had compassion on the widow. Went up there and healed her son. There's the compassion. And then there is the faith. Faith didn't depend on activating the compassion of God. The woman from Tyre didn't activate the compassion of Jesus. She activated it through faith. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus didn't even know she was around. It was her faith that activated it. Then there's also compassion. Which is here. I am willing to be clean. I know you're able. I just don't know if you would do it for me. Oh, well, let me take care of that for you. I'm willing. And he came out in the compassion. On his compassion. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. I put this in your outline for you. If we don't know the will of God, we need to discover it. If we do not know the will of God, we need to discover it. I need to get into the Word of God and discover what is the will of God in this situation. If we do know the will of God, we need to stand on it. If you already know what the will of God is in the situation, you need to stand on it. Don't be shaken. Don't be like Eve who was pulled off of the, knowing the will of God. Stand on the will of God. Don't let other people's failures. Don't let your past failure. Don't let the way circumstances are going. Don't let any of those things go on. You need to stand on it. Go back and look at the stories of Israel. Israel was being led out of the promised land. Every time they faced a problem, no water, no food, some army coming against them, every time that happened, what they do? Oh, God, you brought us out here to kill us. And that did not impress God. He wanted them to be in a place where they would believe it. We need to, we need to believe these, these things. Read over some of the stories of, of people who have gone before us. And some of the things that they've done. Some of the things they have battled through. Brother Hagen's story of how he got healed when he was 16 is actually phenomenal. You ought to go back through and read that one and see some of the stuff. It didn't happen for him overnight. But once he got in faith, it happened. He got himself into a place of faith. I remember the, him telling that story. And he said that, that day when he, he got himself in faith. And he was believing not based on anything he felt. Not based on anything he saw. And God spoke to him and said... Well, people don't stay in bed at 10 o'clock in the afternoon, whatever time it was. 10 o'clock in the morning. And so he got himself up out of bed. And it was not easy. And I think he even fell on the flat in his face. Still got himself up. 
and walked on down and met everybody down at the table. I think his uh, grandfather or whoever the man of the house was at that point says, uh, I think they said to him, does Lazarus live? <laughs> oh my. We ought to read these things over and stop getting distracted and stop being, uh, I got like uh, the story we looked at with Elijah. Why falter between two opinions? Just have one. Just have one opinion. Why falter between two? Just have one opinion. Is God right? Is God wrong? If He's right, then believe Him. If He's wrong, then don't. If He's right, go into the fiery furnace. Go into the den of lions. Go into the deep. It don't matter. God's God. He is God. Listen, we told you, we spent so much time on the on the part of um, our words because your words give you away. You can, co- you can cover up your words for a little while. But every once in a while, you're going to let your guard down with people that you know, with people that you feel like you can get away with it with, with people who aren't believing the same way. And you'll let your guard down and you'll say what it is that you're really believing. Well, I don't think this is ever going to stop. Well, I think this one's taking me down. I'll probably die from this. <laughs> and we start speaking the things that we truly believe. The problem is not that we're speaking them. The problem is that we believe it. And then we speak them after that. Make sure you change the belief. Change the belief. Believe what God said. Get into His Word. Learn His Word. Brother Hagin would tell us the stories as, as much as he was going around the country teaching people on faith and teaching people on healing. There was a time when his wife wrote him a letter about a growth that was on his, his daughter's face. And uh, he didn't answer her right away. He waited three days until he answered her on the matter. And he spent those three days getting into the Word of God and going over scriptures about healing. Well, he already knew all those scriptures about healing. He knew every one of them. But he meditated on them for three days. And then he wrote an answer to her out of that meditation. And he, the answer he wrote was, Tell her, Daddy said she's healed. <laughs> and she went off and said, okay. And one day that growth just fell off. I forget how long ago it was, it was from there, but it wasn't long. The growth just fell off. It wasn't there anymore. Don't ever say or think to yourself, well, I already know the Word of God. No, get into it again. Get into it again. Meditate on it. Get something to focus your faith on. This is the way we're going to... Don't be over there and say, well, somehow, some way, it'll happen. No. How's it going to happen? What is it that you can believe for? What is it you can stand on? What is it you can say, this is going to happen, and it's going to be this way. I can be just like the woman with the issue of blood. I can be just like that. As she said it, I'm going to say this one. And you, you, you say that. You speak it out of your mouth. No matter who it is that you talk to, this is how it's going to be. This, it's going to be this way. But it's not looking like that right now. No matter how it looks right now, it's going to be this way. This is how it's going to be. And you just speak that thing out. This is how it's going to be. It's going to be this way. I'm going to know this. I'm going to have this. Whatever it is that we, we have. Glory to God. God will help us out with that. Would you all stand up with me? This is our day that we remember the Lord's Supper. And of course we know that Jesus came to give His body and His blood for us, that we would have remembrance of these things. He wanted us to, to do this as often as we did it. He didn't tell us how often to do it, 
Some people do it more often. Some people do it less often. Nobody's wrong. He never told you how often to do it. and tell you when to do it. He just said, as often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. And so we do this to remember what he did because salvation was broken up into two parts, the body and the blood. The body and the blood. Thank God we have both working on our behalf. Our ushers are going around, bringing the elements to you. As I do, you, you think on these things. What has God promised you? What has God said is yours? What has God said, this is what I'll do. This is how I'll take care of these things. Don't go around begging and pleading for God to do something. God does not get impressed with begging and pleading any more than you got impressed with begging and pleading from your kids. What you want to see is people who know what the will of God is on the thing. Who know it. Did you ever have a situation when you were growing up and you came in the house and you asked dad or mom, is it okay if I do this? And dad or mom said, yeah, it's okay. Go ahead and do that. And then you're going out and you do that and you came on back. The other one was home. Whichever one you didn't ask. And they said to you, where were you? I was over here. Well, you're in trouble. I didn't know you were over there. And you need to make sure that I knew about that. And then all I had to do is say, but I asked mom. But I asked dad. And they said it was okay. And we know that we're standing on solid ground then, aren't we? Because I, I have dad's word on it. I have mom's word on it. They spoke this to me. And we know that if you know mom and dad, the other one may not have known that the other one said that. But as soon as they go and they find out and they confer, did you tell them? Did they ask? Yeah, they sure did. I told them. I just told them to be back by this time. Well, they made it back by that time. That's fine then. All right. And it's okay, right? Have the Word of God on the thing. Know what God said. Just know it. And don't, don't falter on it. Don't let it go. Be like those guys we saw last week. We'll go into your fiery furnace, but we'll come out. I'll go into the lion's den, but I'll come out. Or like Paul, out of every one of these troubles that I listed here, that he listed there in Corinthians, my God deliver me out of them all. So we take the bread first, as Jesus did in the night he was betrayed. He said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. His body was broken for us. On his body was put the curse that should have been on us. He bore the curse for us. We do not follow in his sufferings in that way. He bore them for us. He didn't lead us in the example. This is how you suffer in sickness. He said, no, I'm taking that on for you. You don't have to. It's on my body. As we eat together, let's remember, on his body was put our sickness and disease. After supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. His death saved us from our death. This blood means his, his blood cleansed me from all sin. Didn't cover it up. It cleansed me. I have the ability to go right into the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus. I can approach God on the matter because of the blood of Jesus. Let's drink together. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that we have been redeemed, we have been bought back, 
We have been set free from sin, sickness, disease, poverty. So many things, Father. The work of Jesus is done. We can speak to things. We can ask God for things and go away and know it's done. It's done. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for the words that you give us to encourage us in this. We thank you, too, for the faith that rises up in us, that you continually feed us on your faith, that your spirit reveals things, opens things up to us to understand and to, and to know. We give you the glory for it in the name of Jesus.